Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 9. Daniel says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with cloud, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and a glory, and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." Now as for me, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. He says, These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up before which three of them fell. The horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn, was, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise and another shall arise after them. And he shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the, most, of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now tonight we get to look at the coming end of man's kingdoms on the earth and the beginning of Jesus' kingdom reign on the earth. Now, before we get into our study, I have in front of you on all of y'all's tables, and Becky's going to put, for those that are watching online, this up for you there, a quote from Gene Mims's book called Thine is the Kingdom. This is actually going to be on page 18 in Gene Mims's book. But it's a wonderful description of the kingdom of God because, and a definition, if you will, of the kingdom of God. There's a lot of confusion in Christianity when it comes to the kingdom of God because of there's so many different aspects of it. 
Some people say, well, the kingdom's now, the kingdom's within you, like Jesus said, and that's true. But the kingdom is still to come. Well, how can the kingdom be now and the kingdom to come? Well, this definition that Jim Mims put together in his book, I think, is one of the best. And so look closely at what it says. It says, the kingdom of God is the reign of God through Christ in the lives of persons as evidenced by his activity in, through, and around them. Now, the kingdom was prophesied in the Old Testament, pictured in Israel, proclaimed by John the Baptist, inaugurated by Christ during his public ministry on earth, extended in the lives of believers through the church in the present age, and will be consummated by Christ when he returns to earth to rule with his saints. That's what we're going to be dealing with tonight. We've been looking at Daniel's vision of the four great beasts, and we looked at the first three in the first study, and last week we took all our time to look at the fourth beast, but we realized that we've skipped over some of the sections of chapter 7, and that's what we're going to be covering tonight mostly, is the fact that the kingdom is going to be given over to Jesus, and He's going to rule and reign on this earth. With, we're going to rule and reign with Him. So look closely. Daniel sees in chapter 7, verse 9, that thrones are being placed for judgment. Now, some of you might have the King James translation, and it says cast down, but placed or set up is a better translation of what's going on here. The thrones are being placed. They're being put in place for judgment. Now, we're going to look in a bit at why there are plural thrones, but first let's notice the most important throne, the one on which the Ancient of Days takes his seat. Look again at verse 9. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. And his throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Now, this term, the Ancient of Days, hopefully you all know who this is, right? It's God, the Father. It's very, very clear who it is, and we're going to look at that in a second. But it's only used here in Daniel chapter 7 in all of the Bible. You see in verse 9, it says, The Ancient of Days took his seat. Verse 13, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Look at verse 21. It says, And as I looked, the, the horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. So here we see in chapter 9, Chapter 7, verse 9, verse 13, and verse 22, the term the Ancient of Days. Well, the Bible is very, very clear from the understanding of Scripture, which I'm going to show you in a second, who the Ancient of Days is. It is God Himself, the Father. His clothing is white. His hair is white. His throne had wheels under it, and they were burning fire, fire and thousands served Him. Go to Revelation chapter 4. You're going to see what, uh, this throne and this vision in Revelation chapter 4, look at verses 1 through 11. As you know, John is on the island of Patmos, and he's given this revelation. He's told to write what he sees on the island. Then he's told to write about the church, excuse me, the church age in chapters 2 and 3. When you get to chapter 4, as you're going to see, he's told to come up here. I'm going to show you what's going to take place after this, after the church age. And he's taken into the presence of God and in the vision. And look what it says in chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders. 
clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightnings and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was as if it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. I think it's kind of clear who is on the throne, right? It's God the Father. Now go take a look with me at Ezekiel chapter 1. Chapter 4 of Revelation is not the first time we see this throne. Daniel chapter 7 is not the first time we see this throne. But Ezekiel chapter 1, listen to what Ezekiel says, starting in verse 4, in chapter 1 of Ezekiel, verse 4. It says, As I looked, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had human li- a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the sides of their feet were like the so- sole of a calf. Sorry, the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings and on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings. Thus. Their wings touched one another. Each of them went straight forward without turning as they went. And for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. And the four had the face of an ox on the left side. The four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward wherever the spirit would would go. They went without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro, like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl, and the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions, without turning as they went, and their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. 
Over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse shining like an awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And under the expanse their wings were stretched out straight one toward another. Each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still they let down their wings and there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads there was a likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was the likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist I saw as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And these were bright, and there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So is the appearance of the brightness all around. Remember Revelation, John saw a rainbow as well. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. So here Ezekiel's been given a vision of God and his throne. And underneath God's throne are these four living creatures. And then underneath them are the wheels within the wheels, if you will. Here we see Daniel saw a throne. And as it were, there were wheels underneath the throne. And the thrones were placed for what purpose? According to Daniel 7. Judgment. It's a time for judgment. Now, we have seen the Father very clearly. God the Father sitting on his throne. But why are there other thrones? I mean, if God the Father's throne there, and he's the one who's going to bring, bring in the judgment, why are there other thrones? Why are there thrones plural? Anybody having a wild guess? Yes, because Jesus is not the only one that's going to be judging. God the Father's not the only one that's going to be judging. We're going to be judging with him. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? That we saw in Revelation chapter 4. Go back there real quick. You brought that out, Warren. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Look at verse 4 again. Around the throne of God, there were 24 thrones. Revelation 4.4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. Now this will help us to know who they are, because go back to Revelation chapter 2. Look at verses 22, uh, sorry, chapter 24 through 29, Revelation 2 verse 24. It's Jesus makes this promise to the churches. He said, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when the earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. And I'll give him the morning star. And he was an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So he said to the churches, who conquers is going to be given authority over the nations. Go to Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse 21 and 22. The one, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here we see in chapter 4, there's 24 thrones, and there's elders sitting on them. Oh, and by the way, how are they dressed? They're dressed in white, and they're wearing crowns. I don't have time to take you there, but that's all the further promises in the book of Revelation to the church. Folks, that's one of the further evidences, there are many, that the church won't be here on the earth during the time of the tribulation period because we'll have already been taken to be with him. Remember, John, here's what come up here. I'll show you what's going to take place after this. And what does he see? He sees the church sitting there on the thrones around the Father. Go with me real quick to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verses 12 and 13. 
2 Timothy 2, verse 12, If we endure, we will also reign with Him. It goes on and says, If we deny Him, He'll also deny us. If we're faithless or without faith, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. In other words, God says, If we're faithful and we, hang, and we continue in the faith, we will reign with Him. If we jump ship, He's got to be true to who He is, and He'll deny you. What did Jesus say? You deny me before, the father, before men, I'll deny you before my Father. Oh, but thank God we're not holding on to him. He's holding on to us. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Paul's dealing with people in the church who are fighting with each other and taking each other to court. In Revelation chapter 6, look at the verses 1 through 3. Did I say, what did I say? Sorry, 1 Corinthians. Thank you for clarifying for me. 1 Corinthians 6, half the time. I don't know what's coming out of my mouth anyway. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 3. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So here he says to him, look, you guys are fighting with each other and you're taking each other to the, the secular courts. Don't you guys understand? That we're going to be judging the world? We're going to be judging angels? We're going to be given this responsibility to make judgments? There's a lot of stuff that's hard for us to grasp. I actually personally think the 24 elders are representative of the whole church. Actually, if you do a study and you go back to 1 Chronicles, you'll see that when they had too many priests serving in the temple, they all couldn't serve all at the same time. So God had David break them up into 24 divisions. And then each division got, took turns serving in the temple. And each division of the 24 were representative of all the priests. Not only that, they had too many singers and too many people wanting to sing a solo in church. And so they broke all the singers in the next chapter down into 24 divisions. And then, and so in the same way, when we get to Revelation, we see that there's going to be 24 thrones, I believe, representative of the whole church. Folks, have you ever thought about the fact that you might get a turn on one of those thrones when it's your turn to sit with Jesus and rule and reign with God? And that's just a hard thing to fathom. A lot of you say, well, I got no problem with the fact that there'll be 24 elders because there's obviously 24 people that beyond me who will get that responsibility. What if we all get a turn? It's kind of, kind of cool. We'll be there a while. But I think the Bible says we're supposed to be there a while. So we who have been made righteous in Christ will come with him and rule with him when he comes to set up his kingdom. Go to Revelation chapter 20. Let me show you what I want you to see. We're going to come with him when he comes to set up his kingdom. Revelation 20, look at verses 1 through 6. This is at the end of chapter 19 where Jesus has come and he's defeated his enemies. Look what it says in chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. But then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. 
Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now the rest of the dead didn't come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years years. So here he says at the end of Jesus coming back to set up his kingdom, as he comes back and he's defeated his enemies in the battle of Armageddon and all that, he's going to sit on his throne and we're going to come with him and there's going to be thrones and we're going to rule and reign with Christ for that thousand year reign on the earth with him. And not only that, those tribulation saints, remember the saints, Satan's been able to have war against them and conquer them, the ones who've been beheaded because of their faith in Jesus that didn't take the mark during the tribulation period, they're going to be able to come to life too and rule and reign with Christ during the millennial kingdom. Folks, we got a lot of stuff that's up on the future. I think we need to be getting serious about right now so that we'll be found ready and faithful and allow God to keep doing the work in us so that we're ready to go. Because the Bible says He didn't just save us. He's predestined to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, let's let God keep doing the work in us so that we're ready to go when this assignment shows up. And I think it's coming soon. As the court sat in judgment, it says that books, plural, were opened. Revelation chapter 20, go to Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15 helps us a little bit with what the books are for. In Revelation chapter 20, look at verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So here we see at the great white throne judgment... There's going to be a time when all the wicked dead are going to be brought back from their graves, from the, wherever they're being held right now in torment. And they're going to be stand before God and then books are going to be opened and everything they've ever done has been recorded. And then on top of that, they're going to double check one more book. I and mean, that's the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And if their name's not there, which, by the way, if you're at that judgment, your name's not in that book. And they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire and their eternal punishment, according to the scriptures, is going to be tied to everything they've ever done. Folks, let me just say this to you. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. I've heard too many people say, well, I, I have a hard time believing in a God that would send anybody to hell. He's done everything in his power to keep you from going. He even paid your penalty for you. But when you reject Jesus Christ, you are saying... I don't want Jesus to pay for my sins. I'll take care of it myself. Well, guess what? You'll be paying for the rest of eternity because you'll never be able to pay it off. Jesus said everything we say or do is recorded. Go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. By the way, it's easier for us to understand this nowadays I mean, everything, you know that nothing's, you can't do anything on the computer that someone can't find out about, correct? 
and you can't go places without even realizing you might be being recorded right now. I'm being recorded. You might be recorded when you go to the store or whatever. Listen to Luke 12, verses 2 and 3. Jesus said, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 36. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That might make you a little bit less likely, hopefully, to start typing stuff on social media. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Back up a couple of, book, a couple of chapters in Matthew 10. Look at verses 24 through 26. Jesus is telling them how the world's going to hate him. A disciple's not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verses 1 through 5. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. He said, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they're surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Folks, I could go on. Let me take you to one more place. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Look at verses 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I could go on and on. Folks, the scriptures are full of this. David says in Psalm 139, they're in a place you go, I go that you're not there. You even know every word or my thought before it even makes my tongue. Folks, let me just tell you, the Bible actually says that God has recorded everything that anybody's ever done or thought or said. By the way, aren't you glad that those of us who have had our sins removed because of Jesus won't be held accountable for every idle word? Amen. Aren't you grateful for the fact that he's taken our sins and separated them from us as far as the east is from the west? Aren't you grateful that we won't stand before that great white throne judgment? We won't be judged for everything we've done. But you, I want to tell you something else, though. As much as God's keeping track of all that stuff that the wicked people have done and are doing, the Bible also says that God keeps track of the good stuff, too. Your reward is tied to obedience. Go with, 
with me to Malachi chapter 3. Go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I'll spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Look at that. Those who feared the Lord got together and talked with each other, and the Lord paid attention, and he wrote it down. He's keeping track of the good things that we do. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. By the way, for those of you that are worried about whether or not someone's going to get away with something that they've done to you, they won't. And if they come to Christ, He'll forgive them. And don't you be upset about the fact that God will wash their sin away and, you know, be happy that He's washed yours. Go to 1 Timothy 5, look at 24 and 25. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24. He says, the sin of some people, sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment. But the sins of others appear later. So also, good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Have you ever noticed that God a lot of times pointed out neat things that people were doing? Because they weren't doing it for everybody else's attention. They were just doing it to the Lord. The widow who gave her last two pennies. You know, Jesus pointed that out. Well, how did he know? Because he knows. He's keeping track. How about the woman who took the alabaster of ointment and broke it and wiped Jesus' feet with it, anointed his body? Jesus said, this will never be forgotten. Folks, God's keeping track of the good stuff as well. Uh, Let me encourage you with something from Galatians. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, starting in verse 7. It says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Remember that passage in Timothy, will reign with him unless we quit? If we don't give up, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In other words, we're to be generous and good to everybody and especially to the people in the church. Isn't it sad how people are usually nicest to the people that aren't in their family? That happens in churches too. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Look at verses 1 and 2. Revelation 22. I'm sorry, not verses 1 and 2, verse 12. Revelation 22, verse 12. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he's done. By the way, some are going to be punished. Others are going to be rewarded. He's keeping track. 
Just as much as he's keeping account of every evil thing that anybody's ever done, and they're going to be held accountable before it on that great white throne judgment, at the end of the millennial kingdom, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, Satan's going to be released from the pit for a short season. He's going to come to come against Jesus one last time on the earth during that time. He'll be quickly defeated by Jesus himself and thrown into the lake of fire. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And he's going to be judged forever and ever and tormented. And all the wicked dead are going to be brought back to life and stand before the throne. And they're going to be judged and cast into the lake of fire at that time with Satan himself. Folks, the Antichrist, go back to Daniel 7, will be the first one judged and thrown directly into the lake of fire along with his helper, the false prophet. Go back to Daniel 7. Look at verse 11 and then verses 26 and 27. Daniel chapter 7, verse 11. Daniel says, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. Look at chapter 7, verses 26 and 27. It says, but the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion, this is the beast, the Antichrist, shall be, his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve him and obey him. So here we see in Daniel that not only does Daniel see the Ancient of Days take his seat, there's other thrones, and the Beast, the Antichrist, is brought before him, and he's burned with fire. He's thrown straight into the lake of fire. Let me show you what I mean. Go to Revelation 19. Revelation 19, verses 19 through 21. Revelation 19, verse 19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. That's us. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in his presence, or in its presence, had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. The rest of the slain were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. By the way, did you notice how I told you earlier the scripture says that all the wicked dead are going to be held in a place of torment until... The thousand years are over, and then they're going to come before God at the great right throne judgment, be judged according to everything they've done. Their name's also not in the book of life, and they're cast into the lake of fire. The beast and the false prophet, or the Antichrist and the false prophet, won't even be going before the throne. They're going to be immediately at that time taken and thrown into the lake of fire. Go to Revelation chapter 20. Let me show you who's going to join them. Revelation 20, look at verses 7 through 10. Remember, Satan's been bound in a pit for a thousand years, and when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Let me ask you a question. How long does hell last according to this verse? Forever and ever and ever. Don't listen to those people that try to tell you that if you go to hell, you, you only go there for a short period of time and then you're extinguished. Mm -mm. Jesus described hell as a place where the worm doesn't die and the fire's not quenched. 
And if the scripture says that Satan will be tormented there day and night, does it say just Satan though? They. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Folks, there's no way around it. Hell is eternal, just like heaven is eternal. Now go back to Daniel chapter 7. Look at verse 12. It's a very interesting thing here that I kind of want to chase real quick. I think it'll be helpful for some of us. Daniel chapter 7. Look at verse 12. Remember how the, the Antichrist is thrown into the lake of fire. And verse 12. As for the rest of the beasts, remember the other kingdoms, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. See, the rest of the beasts will be dealt with after the thousand-year reign of Christ during the great white throne judgment. Remember how we already saw Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6? Let me read it to you one more time with this context in your mind. Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6, it says this. It says, Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection, the ones who get to live with Christ in the thousand year reign. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they'll be priests of God and of Christ, and they'll reign for him, with Him for a thousand years. But then we saw in verses 11 through 15 that then after the thousand years, the, dead, the wicked dead who weren't allowed to come to life during the thousand-year reign of Christ, they're going to be brought back and judged. Folks, the Bible's very clear that this, the other kingdoms, they've lost their dominion. But they're going to be dealt with later on. They're going to be dealt with later on. Go to Daniel chapter 12. Look at verses 1 through 4, and then verse 13. Daniel's been given, and we're gonna, once we get to this part of Daniel, you'll see it hopefully even more. It's been given much more insight into what's going to be happening to Israel in the tribulation period. It says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Wait a minute, hang on for a second. How long does hell last according to that verse? Forever, it's everlasting. Folks, again, don't let anybody try to talk you into a softer hell. It's real, and it's forever. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. By the way, John was told years later, when he read the book of Revelation, don't seal up the words of the prophecy. And Revelation's prophecy and Daniel's prophecy come together. And we understand it a lot more now. Why? Because it wasn't unto be understood in Daniel's time, but it is to be understood in our time. And let me just ask you this question. Are we not living in the days when knowledge has increased exponentially and men are able to go to and fro throughout the earth? Just keep this in mind in your lifetime. Or at least in close to some of your lifetime. Back when Paul sailed on his missionary journeys, what was the technology for boats? Wood and sails. A thousand years later, over a thousand years later, when Columbus sailed, what was the technology? Wood and sails. Yet in the last hundred or so years, we've gone from Model A Fords 
to space shuttles, which are now extinct. You realize you have more technology right here on your hip than they had in the first lunar launch? And by the way, if it's a couple months old, it's already outdated. Yeah. Knowledge has increased exponentially in our day. And Daniel 12.4 said that was going to be what it was going to look like in the time of the end. And people are able to go to and fro throughout the earth. And they're even talking now about supersonic jet flights that you can get anywhere in the globe in three hours. Isn't that crazy? Go to Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. But Daniel's told, go your way till the end, and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Daniel's going to come to life and reign during the thousand years because of his faith. And that's when he's going to get his position when it's time. We see also in verses 13 and 14, the kingdom on earth given to Jesus. Go back to Daniel 7. Look at verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which should not pass, shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So here we see that Daniel sees, we now know who it is, it's Jesus. I'm going to show you how we know this. One like a son of man who's presented before the Ancient of Days and the kingdom is given to him. Remember, man's earthly kingdoms have been removed. Dominion of them have been taken care of at this time. And the kingdom is given to this one who looks like a son of man. Oh, by the way, I hope you caught this, it's not only going to be given to Jesus, it's going to be given to us at that time too. Remember back in the garden when Adam and Eve were given dominion? What happened? They were given dominion over the earth. They subleased it, didn't they? they? They lost it when they stopped listening to God and they listened to Satan. Satan's become the ruler for a season. Go, go to, uh, real quick with me, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 31. Look at how Jesus describes Satan here in this passage as he's going to the cross. John chapter 12, verse 31. Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Now jump over to chapter 14. Look at verses 30 and 31. John 14, 30 and 31. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So who's Jesus talking about when he says the ruler of this world is going to be cast out, and the ruler of this world has no claim on me? Who's he talking about? Satan. Satan. Who? He's the ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air. For a season, he's been given the dominion on the earth. And isn't it kind of obvious that Satan's got the dominion? Oh, but why does Jesus say he has no claim on me? That's important, folks, that you get that. Satan's got no claim on me because he's what? He was not just God. He was sinless. Has he got something on you? If it was just up to you, yeah, he would. He'd have a lot on you, a lot on me. But he had nothing on Jesus. They had nothing on him. 
And because we're in Christ, He's got nothing on us now either. But He's called the ruler of this world. Now, interestingly enough, though, the Bible says the kingdom will be given to us as well. We get our dominion back. Go back to chapter 7. Look at verse 18. Daniel chapter 7, verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Look at verse 22. It says, Until the ancient and days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Look at verses 26 and 27. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away. The Antichrist's dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now it's interesting. The kingdom is given to us, but whose kingdom is it really? It's Jesus' kingdom. But because of our faith, we become children of God. And if children of God, co-heirs with Jesus. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 talks about this, verses 5 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This Son of Man is going to be given the kingdom. When man's kingdom and Satan's kingdom has been removed and defeated, the kingdom will be given to Jesus. And folks, it's going to happen on this earth. Now, because of time, I'm just going to hit a few of these. I'm going to give you some to write down, and I'm going to give you some others to look at with me. But Jesus used this prophetic term from Daniel many times to describe himself. I'm not going to show you all of them because it would kill you, but I'm going to show you just a few. But Daniel, sorry, Jesus used Daniel's term, the Son of Man, to refer to himself a lot. A lot of times when we hear son of man, we think, well, it just means he's human. No. When Jesus used the term son of man, he wasn't saying he was just human. He was claiming to be the one that Daniel prophesied about. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. Matthew 24, verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. By the way, where, where's he quoting from? If you don't say Daniel 7, we've got to start over. He's quoting, you remember how he came? And look at verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. Jesus is quoting from Daniel here. 
And then he's going to appear, verse 30, appear in, the sign, appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he'll send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they'll gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Talking about the Jews that are in, and the righteous at that time are going to be gathered at the end of the tribulation period. Folks, um, go to, write this one down later on and look at it later on. Matthew 12, verses 6 through 8. Matthew 12, verses 6 through 8. Write this one down for later on. Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. That's Mark 2, 5 through 12. And one more, Mark 9, 30 through 32. Mark 9, 30 through 32. But go with me to three, four more real quick. Go to Luke 17. Look at verses 22 through 30. Luke 17, 22 through 30. And Jesus said to his disciples, The days are coming when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you'll not see it. And they'll say to you, look there or look here, don't go out or follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the days of the Son of Man. They are eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Then... Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they'll be, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Go to Luke 22. Look at verses 66 through 71. Luke twenty-two sixty-six. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you won't believe. And if I ask you, you're not going to answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We heard it ourselves from his own lips. How come the chief priests and the religious leaders, when he said, well, you'll see the Son of Man in power, how come they said, so you're the Son of God? Because they knew what that term meant. They knew he wasn't saying, I'm just a man. They knew he was claiming to be the Son of God. When he said, you'll see the Son of Man in power, they said, so you're the Son of God? He goes, yep. Go to John 5. Go to John 5. Look at verses 22 through 29. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not come, and he doesn't come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, and so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he's who? The Son of Man. He says, don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. By the way, what's the good that we do that gets us into life? Believe in Jesus. 
Remember John chapter 6, verse 28, they came to Jesus and said, what must, what must we do? What good work should we do to inherit eternal life? And he said, this is the work of God. Believe in the one that he sent. I'll give you one more. Go to John 6. Look at verses 47 through 59. John 6, 47. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of who? The Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Folks, as Jesus is and always has been God, like we looked at, man had been given dominion on the earth when they were created, man and woman. But because of sin, we lost that dominion, and it's been given over to Satan. But Jesus came and defeated him. How did he defeat him? He came, took on human form, the same form of those who were guilty, and he actually lived a life without sin. And then he was punished by God, the Father, for our sins. And he rose from the dead by his own power. And whoever believes in him, that's how you eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. You are putting your whole salvation, eternal life, stake, faith in Jesus Christ. You're eating of his flesh, drinking of his blood. Just like you need to eat and drink or you're not going to make it in a human body, you need to eat and drink spiritually of Jesus. And if you don't eat or drink of him, you won't be going to heaven. But if you do, you're given eternal life. And one day when he comes back to set up his kingdom, we'll be coming with him and we will be given the kingdom with Jesus. Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. He took man's sin on him and man's punishment for that sin on himself. He did this when he came to earth the first time, but he is coming again. But he's coming again to set up his kingdom on this earth. The sad thing is there's a lot of Christians that aren't taught that. They got no problem with the statement that Jesus is coming again. But what they say is they're meaning that is he's going to come and just kind of take us to be with him. No, he's coming again to the earth. That is so clear throughout the scriptures. And we'll deal more with it further on in our study of Daniel. But I want to close with you in a couple of places real quick as we go in the last five minutes that we have. Go to Revelation chapter 1. I want you to hear Jesus' own words. Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. By the way, that's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. on the beginning and the end. Who is and who was and what? Who is to come. This is important. I want you to see something here. Stick with me. All right, so Jesus says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Lord Almighty. Jump over to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, look at verses 7 through 12. It says, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and dragon and his angels fought back. 
But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Isn't that interesting? Satan is cast out of heaven at this point. Now realize, folks, Satan's not been cast out of heaven yet. Remember, he's, he accuses the brethren night and day before the Father, the Bible says. When, when the angels appeared before God in Job 1 and Job 2, he came with them. He's still able to be in the presence of God. But at this point in the tribulation period, there's going to be a war in heaven. And Michael and his angels, remember we saw that in Daniel chapter 12. Michael, their prince, is going to arise. There's going to be a time on the earth like there never has been. And time for the Jews like there's never been. As bad as the Holocaust was, it's nothing in comparison to what's to come. But Satan is going to be defeated and he's going to be cast down to the earth only to be able to be on the earth, not in the presence of God anymore and in heaven. And his demons are going to be cast down to the earth at the same time. Folks, do you think it's bad now with demons and stuff like that? you got no idea what it's going to be like. You don't want to be here. But what do the angels, what the good angels say? Now the kingdom and the power of God is coming. It's about to happen. Go to chapter 11, though. Look at verses 15 through 19. Chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell down on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. Wait a minute. What's missing? Now, if you have a King James translation, it's going to say it is to come. But in the earlier manuscripts, that's not there. That's been added. Do you know why they don't say it is to come? Because at this point, he's come. He's coming. Look at what he says. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Oh, the nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants. I think this is summing up the whole lesson for tonight, isn't it? The prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the Ark of the Covenant was seen within His temple, and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes and defeats His enemies, and the kingdom begins. Oh, it's still been going on because Jesus has been ruling and reigning all along, but for a season on the earth, He's not had full authority, has He? Is everything working right now according to the way God wants things on the earth? No. But that's why in the Lord's Prayer, He taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. He's teaching us to pray for the day when Jesus comes back 
and it's going to be soon. A lot more to talk about. We'll deal with that next week. I love you. Thanks for coming.